0: youth policy awards the the biggest one um, the biggest one in the in the city in the state and the only one that uh exists called youthful city um and basically because of that i was uh, invited a lot to share my story around the country to help the youth motivate them you know those kind of stuff and like two years after one of one of those speeches Uh, It was, uh, let's say, it was, uh, I think, maybe the darkest period in my life, because, like, uh, my father found out that he has a cancer, and in, like, two months, he died. My mother, at the same time, was in a hospital in another city. She couldn't walk, and my sister, uh, she was pregnant, so she couldn't get involved, so it was all uh, by me. I had to drop out everything that I did regarding to the activism, everything, like, it happened in the end of the March. So uh, this is where all the projects are submitted. So I just have to quit and uh, basically take care of some of those private stuff. Uh, and while the year progresses, I did all kind of stuff like organizing, uh, hosting musical evenings, helping some, I don't know, repair the roof, the cafes, like all kinds of things. And like it was December and I was wondering like, what the yeah, I'm gonna do with my life. Uh, and I got the call from a guy who said like uh, that him and some other guys from the company were listening to me in one of the cities when I uh, did the speech two years before that. And now they, they are working for the Toronto Canada-based uh, marketing agency and they have a place for me and they asked me, what do you know about marketing? So I knew just enough to start. And uh, basically, I just needed to learn SEO. Um, besides that, I, I knew all of those things. Uh, just kind of needed to change my, my, my mindset from, uh, from non-profit to the profit thinking. That was maybe the hardest part. But when I did, uh, I basically, in 13 months, become the GM, the first ever GM of that company of like 15 people. And uh, basically started from there. I then learned how to do some sales. I got all of our clients on the first place on Google search and Google Maps at the time. It's automotive industry, so highly competitive. If you are not in the first three, you are not getting anything. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, where I started. And at one time, I felt like I don't have anything to learn more of there, so I went. Um, I moved to Novi Sad where I am right now to work in a performance marketing agency. So like focus on specializing in marketing automation, uh, website personalization, um, conversions, you know, those kind of stuff. Uh, We did some really progressive stuff uh, for that time. And uh, yeah, I've I've been there uh, until like my vision and the vision of the of the ceo i've been there as director of operations so second guy in the company uh until the my vision and the vision of the ceo got conflicted uh and like i realized that there is a plateau when it comes to performance marketing so i uh i started funky marketing that's basically it
1: That's a very interesting quite uh, intriguing story and there is some emotional background there Uh, i'm sure you get lots of advice to other podcasts uh as you mentioned
0: it all depends i I don't i don't mention this in in a lot of podcasts appreciate (laughs)
1: appreciate you sharing this with the with our audience um i would you mentioned something about uh, the mindset and the difference going transitioning from the nonprofit scene to the commerce profit um, sphere uh, what what is the the mindset if you had to consult or, or share your two cents with somebody who would like to tap into the nonprofit and they have the the profit uh, marketing uh, backgrounds and skills what mistakes should they avoid what they should focus on instead
0: yeah it's it's a hard transition it's harder than, than the one that I did from nonprofit to profit i mean in my case when you're coming from nonprofit to profit uh basically i needed just to find out how things are working and that I can um, sell everything that I do. I can charge for everything that I do. I don't need to go over and apply for the, for the projects to get the funding to implement certain things. And what bothers me, it still bothers me actually, yeah, the, is the thing that you apply to someone who isn't like your um, final target. So you apply, you write projects for someone to approve them, and then you go and implement them, but it's a different project over there than uh, the one that you will craft if you are going after your target audience. So it kind of bothers me. And uh, like all of those things, everybody always has his guy or her guy on somebody who like are advocating for something else. So it's, it's really frustrating. So, but when you are in a for-profit I mean I wouldn't drop out of uh, for-profit things but I would just do something additionally to kind of help the community Uh, I don't know with organizing events or maybe some do some humanitarian stuff I don't know when while I was in uh, in the agencies I was uh, I founded like a a beardman club Uh, it was like six or seven of us all from all of us from different backgrounds but we the one thing that we had in common we had a beard and we were successful so we we raised the money to kind of help the ch- children fight the, the cancer you know those kind of stuff uh, basically yeah i'm i'm somebody who is uh, a lot dependent on the community and likes to do something else like you don't need to do something big you can just help help your neighbor that's just the first step
1: mm-hmm. that's interesting um... Personally, I'm uh, looking to kind of create a hybrid model of profit and non-profit uh, type of business models. I know there is many, many years ago, I heard about this concept called social businesses. Mm-hmm. So uh, lots of people, uh, not lots of people, but those who, who are, whom I follow, they are um, tending to go towards social causes, helping other people who are less favored than their. Uh, than themselves and I wanted to ask you um, what is the mindset of somebody who's doing like non-profit versus profit what is the difference in the in the mindset of somebody running those two companies? yeah I think
0: I think the mindset is the most important I think that this is the the most important thing that I am carrying on from from the non-profit um, it's because I'm looking for the value first not like for the profit first so i'm looking to to give value not necessarily to get the profit right away i mean it will come if you give the value it will come so that's basically basically the one thing that's uh that's the most important to have in mind when it comes to those things like uh, as much as you give you're going to gain a lot more but you need to be patient and you need to kind of really give the value not just talking about like oh, i'm giving value every day i'm sharing this no you need to kind of step up and really do the stuff
1: mm-hmm. okay value is uh is a key aspect in in business regardless of the industry or the vertical uh, can you share some case studies like or, or examples of um, of value building value offering value positioning anything that comes in, in mind to help people who used hear these concepts but they never tried to offer value first and get paid second
0: yeah i mean uh like i'm sharing stuff online all my journey and everything that i do for free on linkedin and other social media for like 10 years so basically that's that's one thing that we can always get back to um it's kind of hard to change the mindset and to start but when you start you go all in like, don't hesitate. Like I'm keeping the best things for myself. No, I mean, if you are really the best at those things, you will only be the one who needs to perform it to actually get results out of it. So don't be afraid to go ahead and share those things. Don't be afraid to kind of jump jump on a call with someone for like, it can be five, it can be 50 minutes, it can be 30 minutes. I don't know. It all depends how much time you have per week, but just go ahead and help people without like looking to gain something from it. Um, I don't know if you are going after after some clients, maybe the, I don't know, the situation happens a lot when, when the companies work with agency is that um, they don't trust them because they, their trust have been violated one time, two times, three times. And then they, they want to have like the proof of concept. So don't be afraid to go ahead if you know your craft and you know that you are worthy don't be afraid to kind of go over there uh, and not only deliver but do even more um more on top of that and if you deliver you will get paid you know those are kind of the things that um that goes in mind and also like uh what i would like to do is uh kind of like more related to the working with clients i like to uh go with them with uh one to three uh, new ideas of how we can improve things in every two weeks. So um, because we are working uh, from the marketing side, but also we are involved in the um, looking how the sales is going, how the revenue is going, how the alignment is going. So we can we have access to a lot of stuff. And we can see how the things are going. We are into the dirt, as they say, so we can uh, approach them and say, Look, guys, this is things aren't working, maybe we can do this stuff to get better. You know, those are not some things that you get paid for. You know, but those are stuff that you, when you prove that you are a person and they can rely on you. So you need to build more of a relationship uh, when it comes to exchanging value than a relationship with exchanging profit.
1: Awesome, awesome insights. Uh, Regarding uh, uh, offering free value versus offering like um, for example an audit marketing audit or maybe website critics or regardless what is the strategy how, how strategic should people be so that they can balance the free information which they have with uh, maybe a paid consulting uh, to to get the um, the kick in the door to start a relationship with potential clients
0: mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't need to go into into doing things. You can just say like, okay, I analyze stuff, I did an audit, I saw what are some things that can be improved, like this, 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 those things, like, I don't care if the company is going to do them on their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm here to say them that there are some things that are wrong, and they need to be improved. Mm -hmm. So and then I say like, these are the things that we are doing. And this is how we can help you. But in most cases, like I don't go after the companies. This is just an answer uh, out of the box. But I don't go to companies. We get the client inbound. We don't go outbound. So when they mm-hmm. come to us, they are ready. They know. They know the budget that they need to have. They know what we are doing. Maybe they need some specifics, but they already have the mindset of like we want to work with you. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of kind of easy. But um, when I'm sending the offer, I'm usually going and analyzing stuff. And I don't know, let me give you a situation. Like there was a company and they wanted to work with, with us. Uh, They were persistent with that. So I went over their website and it was like, it was awful. The website was awful. They needed, they didn't even have social media uh, profiles, uh, like the link from the Social shares icons on the website was leading to some of the ser- server providers where they they bought the the, the server. So uh, basically, this is what I told them. I told them that I'm embarrassed of only looking at their website. And I was like, okay, this guy is going to say, who the fuck is this guy telling us uh, that? our website sucks and you know those kind of stuff but actually they appreciated that I was honest because they knew the situation and they told me okay let's give us an offer and let's fix it basically that's it
1: awesome um I'm now in a in a stage where uh, I do local work as well uh I know that you are based in Europe as well in Serbia as far as I know And I wanted to ask you, what is the balance? Do you work more with the local clients versus like clients from outside the country, like U.S.? What is the bulk of your clients coming from?
0: Yeah, uh, most of them are uh, outside Serbia. Uh, Like when we started in the last year, we used first the the clients from Serbia to kind of uh, prove the concept of what Mm -hmm. we are doing and that it is working. And then we we kind of... make made this year i think we we like changed the pricing like four times in the last year and we closed i think 34 deals in a year uh and basically now we are uh, we are in a place when we are like satisfied with the pricing and we want to go out to the us market so when it comes to the scope of the clients that we have right now um let me see uh i think our biggest client is is from Serbia but they are actually based in San Francisco so they just started from Serbia and it's a huge company of like 700 people they are going to be a new unit actually they calling themselves unicorn so um yeah another one of 500 people is going to going to jump in uh, in a in a few days as well uh besides that we have a canadian based startup um they just raised 2 millions so working on ai to kind of um help uh, improve the customer journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is based in Turkey, also a startup that raised the seed B investment. Now they're going after seed A. Um, we have a few which are based uh, on, in uh, Southeast Europe and like it's um, translation and localization like company working with Facebook, let's say for Macedonia, the biggest pharma industries those kind of stuff, uh, and we have uh, Boston-based uh, company which is more in like spend management thing. So all of them are related to the tech, uh, and all of them have uh, have good culture, know the know the values, and know where they want to go. So basically, those are the criteria that that we have uh, at the moment for for the companies, and yeah, it's going really well if it's going that well that i stopped talking with uh, with potential clients uh, until we like manage to organize now the team as we are growing and kind of go into some other direction besides services so um we're building up the the uh, product let's say product service which is like linkedin accelerator mm-hmm. so going going over there and doing some other stuff but yeah that's uh, in short
1: okay uh, let's talk a bit about your team like maybe you can share how many people are working with you and what's your vision with your team and company in general for the next two or three years
0: yeah we are we're a small team of like five people in-house um, generating I think we are now at 15 k mrR uh, which is which is great like having six clients uh and um the team is structured like uh basically majority of people in the team have uh skills of demand gen director mm-hmm. basically that's it they they can do demand gen for the for the company for us for other company doesn't matter uh and all of them have uh, good copyrighted skills so those are all the stuff that uh that I require for people to have, uh, except like the mindset and those kind of things. Like all of them came inbound as the clients are coming because they like the culture, they like the story, they found themselves in the story. Um, and yeah, besides them, we have a content writer, uh, and uh, we have some people that we work that are outside of uh, of the company, which is like a person for the for the PPC, a person for the for the video editing. Um, so yeah, basically, basically that's it. Those people that we work with that are outside of the company are actually the, the people that I work for 10 years with. So uh, people that I know, that I trust, and basically they just work on some other stuff uh, and I don't want to bring them inside the company yet. So yeah.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: what's the, what do you ask me? The uh, vision about the vision? The for vision, them? yeah. Well, the vision is to change the B2B industry for good uh so it's not the small goal we are i'm i'm in the entrepreneurship game to to play the game so to change things uh like our idea is not to have a i don't know like stable job to you know have fun and those kind of things yeah we are having fun but we want to change things we want to polarize people we want to change things we are bringing like emotions from our feelings and like um humanity from B2C into B2B. Basically, uh, that's it, what we are doing and we are helping companies uh, become more human, that's it.
1: That's very interesting and it's very, very required nowadays, I would say, because artificial intelligence is like the trend, is the fad and people are feeling so disconnected with everything that's going around in the economy, across the globe. So I wanted to ask you, um, for beginners who have no clue or are confused about demand generation, what are the basic principles they should know, grasp and implement in their business?
0: Well, basically, first of all, they need to know who they are, uh, who are they going after and what's their goal. Mm, If they don't know that, you they cannot do really anything. I mean, this is the basic mistake companies are making. Like, I ask them why are you different? And they say, like, well, we are the cheapest one on the market. That's not a differentiation. That's differentiation that can last an hour. Maybe in an hour somebody will be cheaper than you. So uh you need to know why somebody needs to choose you specifically. And when you know that. When you know where you are in the market, when you know uh, the com- the competitors, and you know your strengths, then you go uh, you go and uh, basically create demand for your services. Now, what is creating demand for your services? It means that first of all, you need to uh, to catch the existing demand, which is like people who are right now ready for your services or for your product. And you do that by a few different things like um, search, Google search. So basically you need to be over there. That's why the, the content is here. That's why PPC is something that you maybe want to invest first. Cause like organic content is something that takes time. And if you want clients first and um, and getting some results fast, then you need to go to the, to the PPC, but Uh, besides that, you need to see where your, uh, target. Clients are target people are, and just start telling your story, go over there and telling your story in a way that it's appropriate for the channel. Let's say on LinkedIn, you cannot go and just use the company page. You need to go and use personal profiles because that's how the, uh, the platform is working and that's how people expect you to talk with them on some other things. You do, you do it differently. Uh, but what's important is that uh, you start uh, from the end, what you want to get at the end, and then go reverse. So let's say, I want to grow, I don't know, 10 millions in, in MRR until the end of the year. What are some things that I need to do? Then you go reverse and say, aha, uh-huh, OK, this is the goal. This is the budget. It, it, are they related? if they are related and you have enough budget to leverage that kind of growth, then okay, then you go to the next step. And next step is uh, what are some things that we need to do to kind of uh, with that budget. So uh, we know where our target customers are. We know what are some things that we need to do over there. We know the budget, so let's go and implement. Uh,
1: That's an interesting, uh concept and i'm sure listeners uh, whether they are new to this or not will uh, see the, the impact and the importance of doing demand gen and this is really not a trend i believe that the internet is built to generate demand to educate cons- consumers buyers clients
0: uh, and yeah the- i mean one thing one thing i want to say cuz people are are kind of confused especially here in uh, in southeast europe and uh, and generally in europe and they confuse uh, demand gen with lead gen, so those are some uh, things which are completely um, different. And let's say lead generation is when you when you create an ebook, you promote it, uh, people download it, and then you nurture them with uh, with email sequence uh, or the sales guy call them, you know those kind of stuff. And we call them MQLs those leads because they are marketing qualified leads. They are not sales qualified leads, which means that those people aren't interesting to buy yet. They are interested to get educated about the content. They wanted to read the ebook. They wanted to find out more, but when they click the button to talk to the sales, then they are sales qualified leads. And uh, demand gen works a little bit different because you create content educate people and where they are educated enough, they come inbound to you to actually uh, when they are ready to buy. So it's uh, a completely different thing. And you're not going at all costs to get as many MQLs as possible, you will get lower volume of uh, of leads, but it will be more qualified leads. And um, you don't need, let's say, I don't know if you are going with MQL models, model then you have um, with lead generation, then you have, you constantly need to have more people in sales because you are constantly getting, you need more leads and more leads because that's how you measure marketing. Um, And then when you have more people in sales, then you have some people who are not very experienced in that and customer experience is not the best every time. So you lose uh, at the end Uh, on the other side, if you uh, are going in a different model, then you don't need that many people in sales. You need maybe just two persons that can close everything, they're experienced, and uh, because you are getting them uh, customers, potential customers that are ready to buy and they know who you are, what you do, and how you can solve their problems. Basically then, they can close them and they can close them in the larger scale. So you can uh, actually get bigger deals. So it means the revenue is growing. You can get it back into, I don't know, doing some other stuff, hiring more people uh, in sales or doing advertising and those kind of things. And when you do this second model, then you um, sales guys don't need to be on the calls with people who are not interesting in what they are selling whole day they can go and do maybe outbound or something else which is mar- which marketing is not doing right now um everywhere marketing is doing sales basically uh,
1: okay maybe we can take like a real life example from your from your clients case studies or maybe like in the fitness industry or or service providers who are local and provide like um, massage therapy and service like that what type of um, inbound and demand generation uh, strategy they should apply? Like how they should go about that first and what mistakes they should avoid? Mm,
0: it all depends. Like here we were talking about model, which are B2B yeah. and this is like B2C. B2C. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a little bit different and it's basically you need to go to the people. That's it. Like uh, in B2C, you are close to them, you're talking directly with people. And you need you need to use those things uh, to your advantage. So let's say good examples, what we're doing are Netflix or Airbnb, you know, those are companies that are not waiting for their um, customers to come to them. They are they are going towards them giving them personalized experience like Airbnb will give you uh, as as much personal experience as possible based on the data that you give them. Netflix as well is going to recommend you movies, series, those kind of stuff. And, uh, and not only that, if you go to their social media, uh, you can start talking with them, you know, so you can go to them. You don't need like, and they are reaching out to you as well. So you are meeting in the middle. It's not one way communication. It's two way communication. And when customers have that experience with, with Netflix, with Airbnb, what do you think? Will they uh, go back to the old way of communicating with the companies and like, uh, okay, so we're going to go now, I don't know, to Coca-Cola to some other stuff. to so some automotive, maybe companies and they're going to go back to the model as it was before. No, they're going to demand from those companies as well to change and to change the approach, to change the, the way they communicate with them. Uh, and, you know, that's basically the mindset shift uh, that is going. If we're going to uh, use something specific, well, it's basically uh, proving the value of what you are offering. And it's not like talking about us, like, okay, let's say the gym. Yeah, We are the best gym in the city. Uh, we have the best equipment, you know, those kind of stuff. No, let's use the people who are in the gym every day to tell their stories. Like, uh, I don't know, I... Uh, i got fit in in 3 months by doing exactly the things that the guys from that gym recommended me you know their trainer guided me to towards that or like i had the best experience like their bathroom is the cleanest one you know like it can be all kind of stuff uh, in the gym but the the point is to empower people that are using the service or or the product to tell their stories so mm-hmm. it's not you who are is telling the story at First, you're gonna be the one. Like that was the story also with I don't know with Google. Uh, Google started. Not many people know that actually, but they they started uh, as a, as a company that was offering uh, ads, but ads uh, was very at that time ads was very expensive for the startups. Uh, so they. At that time you needed you need studio, you needed to record the commercial, you know, all kind of stuff and startups couldn't afford it. So they said, okay, uh, we are going to be the ones who we offer something uh, that's more approachable for the startups. And that's where we're going to position ourselves. And that's how they started. And nobody knows actually the story. People know all kinds of different stories about Google, because at one time when you keep growing, uh, your customers becomes the one who are telling the story also like netflix didn't just become like the subscription model right away like the the founder i uh, don't remember the name but he used that model before netflix so he said okay this worked before let's try it if it works now and it's working you know it but you, we know a different story so that's how it goes
1: Uh, looks like Zoom is uh, is closing in three minutes. Maybe we can uh, stay for 10 minutes unless it closes. Uh, I haven't upgraded to the pro version yet. So if it interrupts, that's the the reason why Um, I wanted to also ask you um, how did COVID uh, affected your business and your client's business? And if that happened, what moves have you done? to overcome that?
0: Yeah, basically, it it affected us that we we grew a lot. And Mm. that's it. I started my business in uh, basically when the COVID started. So it didn't exist before COVID. And when in April, when the lockdown started, like the clients that I have, they say, Okay, we don't want to hire other people, we want you to take more responsibility and take more, more work. So I started hiring people and that's how how we grew. Basically, with all the the case studies, people look what we were doing. We were telling our story. It attracted people and this is still what we are doing. I think like when it comes to the story branding, we are one of the best out there. Uh, And uh, basically, yeah, just showing the results, telling our story and growing. COVID is here and it's something that's affected a lot of businesses. I think I was lucky that we didn't have any clients related to the Um, I don't know, to the tourism industry or some other industries that are the most affected. Uh, We were lucky to not to have them at start. And basically we we are into uh, fast growing software based companies. So uh, COVID here is not something that's uh, that's stopping them from growth. So um, we are also the ones who are growing with them.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, maybe you can share some of your uh, most intriguing client success story or or results. Maybe a um, recent one.
0: Yeah, I can I can share the recent one. Uh, we we started to work with a with a client, and like what happened in the in the second week of uh, our working with them, while we are still on analyzing, like uh, attribution, what have they done in the past, you know, those kind of stuff. Um, but we started already to do our things on LinkedIn and like in the second week, the CEO got, uh, got a direct message from, uh, just after one post that blew up with 700, uh, likes and 15 K views. Uh, they got a call from, uh, investor, which, uh, is interesting to help them raise the day funding and, uh, head of product from the from the same company in the same week got invited by the google docs product team to host a workshop about uh, senior user onboarding so basically those are like straight up uh, straight up results that uh, that we got in 2 weeks uh for other stuff uh, to happen
1: Hey, welcome back. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah, of cool.
1: Now, uh, if you allow, I'd like to share the screen while I browse through your site, because I'd like to to talk more about your, your offer, pricing. Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, just a second. Let me know if you can see the screen. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Now, I would like to, to ask you um, about the the, about the Yeah, about the packages, the main difference between them and uh, what the clients are really looking after when they come to you
0: it it all depends like we have our services packed in like um three different groups first one is um, actually analyzes and uh an attribution where we basically when we come to the company we first analyze what they have done before what is the situation like to to draw you the picture like if they have 10 inbound leads they are closing three and we need to find out who are those three, why they are different, why they are closing. Uh, and when we know that, then we get into the, the second part, which is demand gen. And when we uh, actually put the gasoline on what's working on those three leads and find the similar ones and uh, actually get gets the growth. Uh, and the, the third part is basically the part where, uh, where we are here for them to kind of uh, do the reporting and to help them with, uh, with some consultings or some education trainings and those kind of stuff.
1: Okay. And when you mention uh, like uh, analyzing what they've done well or not, what's missing, is that part of the discovery call or how do you, how do you price that part of the service?
0: No, that's uh that's the part of uh part of the service which happens before we start creating content and uh advertising or really anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh because uh what does it mean? It means that uh, I get into the G Analytics, Search Console, uh Woopera or Salesforce or whatever they are doing, uh and I analyze things. Uh, not only that, I mean, the second part is also analyzing the social media profiles, uh, websites, all those things, optimizing them for conversions, because if we're going to start with with creating content with advertising, we need to first uh, find out what's working, what's not working, and to optimize uh, our profiles, our website for the conversions. So if somebody comes there, we are sure that they convert. So yeah, that's, that's uh, the start and when we start.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, do you have any minimum requirements like you only work with clients for X amount of, of months with contracts? How do you select the, that part of the business? How do you? Yeah,
0: I, uh, I feel like a lot of companies uh, are basically just, um, I don't know, just losing the clients by saying that um, they need to sign a yearly contract hmm. or something like that. Uh, I got a, approached by a lot of companies which are, let's say afraid, uh, because they didn't work with uh, with agencies before, maybe it's the management agency, maybe it's uh, just digital marketing agency, or they had bad experience with them, and they don't want to commit to the yearly contract before they get to know you. And I mean, I have this attitude that uh, you can, uh, I mean, even if something goes wrong, we are just uh, normal, regular people. And I don't work with with, uh, clients who are bad people. So if something is not working from our side or for their sides, uh, we will communicate that. And it's not the end of the world if if we don't agree around things and stuff working together like uh, those are normal things and regular things. We usually start with the three months contract where because uh, when we start, we create strategies for the three months. We tell the clients exactly what's gonna happen in the next three months. So this is what's happening in the first month. This is what's happening in the second. This is what will happen in the third month because we've been there, we have done it. So we know how our things are uh, going and also These are the things that we are doing. These are the things that you are doing from your side to make this happen.
1: Okay. And what are your favorite tools to communicate with uh, with clients to keep in touch with them?
0: Um, usually, uh, we adapt to, to them. It, it all depends, but like, um, in most cases it's, uh, it's, I don't know, for some it's the, it's the LinkedIn itself. For some, it's, uh, it starts with email, it ends with an email because it's the most important one and all the important stuff needs to go through the email. But there's also like WhatsApp for the fast communication or for some clients, we are into the, the ClickUp or other project management platforms when we can give them tasks uh, and kind of follow up what's going on and guide them. So it all depends on the on the service that we are providing, uh, where we are, and how how big uh, of a help we are for them.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So did you notice that, um, for example, clients who approach you through LinkedIn, they prefer uh, to keep your communication over LinkedIn, or this is not common across other clients?
0: Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is uh, is a nice go to platform. It's, For everyone in B2B. So uh, if I'm, let's say, recording a podcast or talking with someone, if we started the communication on LinkedIn, then we will keep the communication on LinkedIn. It, it goes the same uh, for Instagram or for Facebook. Usually it's the the first uh, channel that we use for communication. That one uh, is the the one where we will continue the the communication. I mean, we can move to the email and some other stuff, but usually those are the channels where people are most active, they, they reach out to you uh, on those channels.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and may I ask you? I'm very curious about what is your number one um, client generator? Like maybe it's a platform, like you mentioned, LinkedIn, or something else. How do clients yeah, approach it's, you?
0: It's LinkedIn 100%, and also like referrals, but referrals are okay. also coming from, from LinkedIn. So that's it. Like in 2020, we, we got, uh, 34 deals closed only on focusing on LinkedIn. So basically it's the platform when all, uh, our potential clients are, uh, and it's the platform where, uh, we can generate in a year, one person can get 3 million views on their content. And it's like five of us in the company. So, uh, that's, like let's not say 50 millions, but it's at least 10 millions mm-hmm. of, of views for a year. Uh, and you get that for free. You just need to share valuable content, connect with the right people, know what you are doing, share results. Mm-hmm. And uh, if uh, whoever is listening, this isn't focused on LinkedIn and it's B2B, um, even not only in B2B, I think they are wasting wasting a big opportunity.
1: Awesome. Uh, I see you run two, two podcasts, like the first one, which I'm seeing now. I'm looking on your site, B2B Weekly Podcast. So you're running that in partnership with Marty Sanchez, whom I follow on LinkedIn as well. And you also have the, the Funky Marketing Podcast. So my curiosity would be, how do podcasting help with landing clients or closing deals?
0: It's basically, uh, they are helping us create the community. Uh, and they are not getting us clients directly, but, uh, with, uh, with us helping other people tell their story, helping them be better sharing our experiences, uh, basically, uh, people are referring to us mm-hmm. because they, they got the value here. They know that we have the expertise in specific things and that's, that's enough, uh, one thing that's, uh, that's important to mention, like uh, a big portion of why do we run podcasts is to get the quality content. Mm. So basically, we create uh, we run a uh, once or twice a week, uh, and we get the content out of it and it's a unique content where we're answering unique questions and going after unique topics. And uh, basically, with with that, we can talk to uh, communicate with our potential clients through all the stages in the buyer's journey. And uh, like I don't know, still there are people who are saying that uh, I don't know there needs to have to be a specific content for I don't know top of the funnel from the mm-hmm. bottom of the funnel. But when you are recording a podcast, talking about so many different stuff, you are communicating with uh, with people who are in um, basically in uh, in different stages of their bar journey and uh they are all in the same place those are not some random people that you can focus there in this inbox they are in this one and the others are in the back so it's not how it's going they are everyone in the same place and you need to just communicate uh, according to that
1: yeah um what role does seo and blogging play uh, in your in your company in connecting with new clients, building relationships, and finally closing deals?
0: Well, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, we didn't focus that much on the blogging in the first year. We are now going more into that and more into into getting organic traffic. But so far, no. I mean, we are writing uh, articles with uh, distribution in mind, firstly, and then uh, with the uh, with SEO and all kind of stuff in mind, but it's one of the two main content pillars of our content. So it's uh, blog and it's the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And when when clients come to you, uh, I assume you help them. Uh, you you craft you craft your your strategy based on what they are already doing. Like for example, if they already use LinkedIn, you just tap into that channel. Or how do you usually work with them? Do you, do you use your methods like LinkedIn over SEO? Or how do you tackle client projects?
0: Uh, it all depends uh, what what they want, how fast do they want it, uh, and what they want to achieve. It's not like using this or that. Um, and it's not choosing between specific things. It's not even choosing between inbound and outbound. It's if you can do both, that's great. Uh, so so yeah, basically it's seeing what the goal is, the one thing that I told you, so doing reverse yeah. what the goal is, what is the budget, and how can we get get uh, get to the goals using that budget.
1: Awesome. So it looks like your your agency and your mindset is very, very flexible on the client's goal and outcome and reverse engineer that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, it's never like they hire you and you do everything the same for for everyone. That's not how it works. And like, uh, that's why I'm always saying like, marketing is not black and white. It's very, very gray. And sometimes it's counterintuitive. And uh, something just doesn't make sense. That's why you need somebody who has experience to help you Uh, to guide you through using marketing to kind of uh, like help sales, increase the revenue and get uh, help the business achieve its goals. Uh, That's at the end the the only thing that's important.
1: Okay, so uh, companies who come to you, I assume uh, they don't have yet uh, an in-house marketing team or an inbound or demand generation team or they look at you like uh, a second brain or like an extension What's your story on that?
0: Yeah, uh, I recommend to all the companies, uh, especially like in B2B, to have at least one marketeer in-house, somebody who handles the content. You need somebody who will be in charge of the of the content pillars. So somebody who will record the podcast, somebody who will write the articles. Uh, and, I mean, we are here to help you distribute that, to help you leverage the um, LinkedIn help you come up with specific strategies, no matter if it's like advertising or if it's organic inbound, whatever to get to your goal. So those are all variations, uh, but, uh, we are not the ones who are just like using what the the strategy, the company has and kind of moving there. We are the ones who are actually helping them create the strategy. And go go from there. The one thing that we don't do, and I think there are some other people that are better than us uh, when it comes to that, is uh, we w- we won't help you identify yourself or find your goal or find your why, you know, those kind of stuff. No, you need to figure that out. Maybe hire some other agency, somebody else to help you with that. We come after that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and. So you do more like strategy you you, you you help them plan their their content, you help with sales. do you also provide done for you content writing or you let that to, to their uh, in-house members?
0: It all depends. It all depends uh, on what we need to achieve, what do they have um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, yeah, it really it really depends but uh, yeah we have content writing inside the as a service, uh, but we don't do just content writing. We don't do like separate stuff, like only do the distribution or only do the content writing or only do the advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, we come there and uh, we basically come up with a strategy and then we, we implement that. We're not the ones who will do specific things inside the existing strategy.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do you position and how do you price strategy versus, versus- The execution of that strategy
0: we don't we we have the strategy involves every single time
1: Mm. because this is what
0: we do yeah because uh because we don't work very well with companies that already have a marketing strategy and want us just to handle like advertising or something else because there aren't many companies which has the strategy for what we do. Yes. Uh, it's just not, not there. It's going to be here in like two or three years when every company will have like the main gen person mm-hmm. and realize what they need to do. You know, those kind of stuff. That's how long it will take for those stuff from B2C to come to the B2B. It's already happening, but it will take time. So, uh, like. If I was the one to tell you what's going to happen in the future, like this thing that we are doing now, it's going to, it's the future yeah and it's going to keep happening in the next few years.
1: Mm-hmm. So are you saying that your, 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 uh, your agency is focused more on providing demand generation strategy for clients and brands who lack uh, a strategy in that area?
0: Now it's uh, look it's uh, helping the companies uh, get the revenue that's it we we come up with the custom strategies tactics wherever it's needed but it always starts with a strategy so not many people have that not many companies uh, companies have that and uh, we are here to kind of overlook the things analyze because they wouldn't come to us if Mm -hmm. All the things were working really well. Yeah. You know, so uh, we are here first to see what what are they doing good? What are they doing bad and go from there?
1: So are you saying that your your clients, your potential clients already come to that? Okay, this year we want to hit 10 million in revenues. We want to to hit uh, this goal and you just strategize for the for the best revenue and grout methods. Is that what you're saying? They already know what they're doing. Revenue wise, like Again,
0: the answer, the answer is depends. Depends. So some, some, uh, we need to see what are the problems. So maybe it's misalignment with marketing and sales. Maybe it's marketing doing the wrong stuff. Maybe it's uh, actually their focus on, uh, on sales and they don't even have the marketing. So they, they don't have the growth engine. So what we do, usually we set up the marketing growth engine. Uh, so it can uh, bring growth not only now but in a, in a years to come. And that's the first step. So mm-hmm. we, we uh, literally use some of the things they're doing and stop them. Uh, and see what's going on. It's going to affect the revenue or no or that's how we eliminating things. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that that's actually if we if some things aren't obvious so we we see what's working what's not and then we basically double down on the things that's that's working but um yeah it's not the specific answer that i can give you because there are so many varieties over there mm-hmm. and uh basically we coming up with dimension strategy and programs it's not just uh, i don't know like I told you it's not the specific thing that we can do in every company, the same companies are different. Uh, like even the company that, uh, one company that gained, I don't know, uh, two millions, um, million in investment and the other one who has the same, uh, and they are based on different stuff. They have different kinds of teams. They are not equal. They are not the same. Maybe they just raise the same investment, but they are not the same.
1: Okay, and do you usually when you audit this business and you are looking for what's missing, do this in one strategic call or usually it takes multiple strategic calls? I assume it depends on each case study, each client.
0: Uh, usually, we uh, we don't have that many discovery calls or audits or however do we call it. So basically we uh, we have one when I ask all the questions that I that I need to ask, uh, I ask for all the permissions that I need to so I can analyze stuff. And then uh, we just go with it. But inside of our services and packages, we have uh, analysis. And we have that period of like one or two weeks when we analyze stuff and see what's working, what's not. Uh, so yeah, we don't need to do all of that beforehand. Cause, uh, I don't get an access to the Salesforce before we sign the contract and start working together. So yeah. it's not something that, that the company is going to give to you. Uh, so, uh, to actually see really the stuff behind, uh, under the, the surface. Yeah, well, we need to start working with them.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: And I mean, uh, as I told you, they are coming to us because they we are we are present. We show what we do. We show uh, the way we are handling things. Uh, We educated them enough so they they know that they need our services. They come to us and that's where it starts. I don't need to like um, I don't need to explain why they need our services. Yeah, You know, I don't work with companies where I need to explain them because it's never going to work. I I will need to explain everything that I do if that's happening. This is the mistake a lot of companies are making. We are just working with companies that uh, that want to work with us and understand Mm -hmm. what we are doing.
1: So I assume the reason why company already know what they want, already know your pricing, is that because that's part of your demand generation strategy, working towards your own. Client gen.
0: Yeah, we, we sell the services uh, by doing those services.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how do you do you price? Is this the right question to ask you? Because I come from an business to business agency background, so different consultants and agency have different pricing modules. What's yours, if you can share?
0: Um, I mean. We we talked about it uh, already uh, a little, but uh, it's basically depending on uh, on how much uh, we we needed to come up with uh, with the pricing uh, in a way that we measure it on something and come up with the packages uh, depending on uh, on advertising spend. So if they are uh, spending up to fifty k uh, per month in um, in advertising, then basically we charge ten thousand. If they mm-hmm. spend, uh, I don't know, hundred uh, k, then we charge fifteen thousand. Basically, because we are coming from the Europe, we are uh, we are cheaper than uh, than the companies based in the in the U.S. We start with five thousand. They start with fifteen thousand, um, and it's because our employees are in Europe, uh, and we can actually the the Their salaries are a little lower than it is in the US. So, yeah, we are playing to our advantages. That's it.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, it makes sense. Uh, So do you mainly from what uh, you are saying? I'm getting that you mainly uh, price based on their ad spend. And probably there's also um, other factors that you take into account. or just the the, the bare minimum or the core
0: basis. It all depends, like the minimum is 5000. Uh, and uh, basically, we start with that. So uh, all depending then what they're going to do what they will do in most cases, it's the is the custom package that we are creating for each for each client. And yeah, because they are all different, and they want different stuff in different stages. So that's how we adjust.
1: Uh, Okay, I mean, like, for example, I assume there are companies who don't have a budget for paid ads and they just want to invest in inbound. Did this happen before? Yeah. So in that case, uh, how would you price? Would you price based on the revenue of their company or based on other variables?
0: It it all depends. It all depends, like... um... They know what is the budget they, they can invest uh, on a monthly level. Yeah. Uh, we know what they want, so they don't want advertising, but maybe they want more content or they, they want, I don't know, trainings for their team to get to somewhere, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's all like uh, adaptable to the client.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one last question is, what type of uh, wisdom advice would you like to share with listeners who are getting into Demand gen or who are they running a Demand gen agency? What is your best uh, advice for them?
0: I mean, my advice is always to, to go out there and, uh, and be honest. That's it. Um, there's no um, way in which people or the companies can be quiet. That doesn't exist. It's not happening. So they need to go over there and start telling their story. That's it. Like if they aren't, somebody else will tell the story and it's not going to be the way they want the story to be shared. So it's not going to be good for them. Uh, So go ahead, start sharing your story and take things from that. Like, be honest, start from the pain that you have. Start from the from the troubles that you are going to and uh, your customers will uh, will feel your pain and feel the same emotions and uh, help you actually get to your goal.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nimanja. Appreciate your time, your support, your insights and your, your wisdom.
0: Thank you, man. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure having today for the show. Okay. Have a great day and catch up soon.
0: Catch up. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.